And it's the idea that like, unless you're really, <laughs> unless you have that scary feeling of like, no, this is I'm revealing way too much here, then um, that, that there's some kind of energy goes into that kind of work. That's the best work, you know. Yeah, and my intent for some of the work, it actually it, it was stuck in my in in, the, in my studio for some time until I one of my um, the gallery directors popped by the studio and he was. Yeah, pick it up at work. He's like, well, what, what do you have going on over there in the, in the corner of your studio there? And I was like, oh, it's just some things that I've been working on. And he was like, well, do you mind if I take one of these notes? Well, sure. You know, and at first I was kind of like, eh, you know, why do you want to take that? And and sure enough, um, you know, someone responded to it and was just like, okay, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, 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 there's something about this that I'm done drawing to, and and it kind of surprised me a little bit just because I thought, oh, that's too, you know, personal, and you know, who's going to want to listen to this? And and, and and here we are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the question that Leith had that um, he was just asked you, what um, can you talk about the most recent piece you're excited about? Oh man, I um. I have several pieces, and, and each of them I'm excited about for, for various reasons. So um, uh, it, that's kind of a hard one to to answer. Like I, I'm currently working on a, a piece that um, is really uh, is actually inspired by my son, you know, and you know, and, and the growth that I've seen over over the years. But you might not look at the painting and see that in in, in the work, but there's this energy that you know. And I could probably been working, you know, gosh, it's been since maybe maybe March at the beginning of COVID. And I don't know if that had something to do with uh, um, uh, this whole thing. Uh, uh, but but there is this language that I'm having with some of the dialogue with uh, 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 some of the application of uh, the paint and things of that nature that I, I find to be uh, very inspiring. So um, uh, that would be the 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 painting there that I, I'm, I'm 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 very excited about. The odd thing is I get excited, you know, uh, you know, just uh, even by working, you know, and starting to you know break up the canvas into these you know these shapes and then and finding this this dialogue or this this, this harmony. It, it, it's it, it's really it talks a little bit about you know the harmony of, of like your shapes, your values colors, uh, edges, things that make some of the tactile things, but there's this emotional uh, balance that, that happens that's in there as well, and that's when it gets very, very exciting for me. Um, so, so, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a tough. I don't, don't have a singular one that uh, really um, stands out. Okay. And do you start off with the blank slate inside you as well, meaning, do you start off, like, say, with that uh, painting you were talking about that, that relates to your son or that speaks about your son's growth to you, do, do you start off going, okay, now I want to paint a picture that's about my son's growth, <laughs> or do you start, as you say, you break up the canvas and then you stand back from it, or at some point go, oh, I think this is about my son? It, it, it's the latter. Like I said, I, I really start... Uh, most of the times. Now, every now and then, I, I, as I mentioned, you know, I might have these ideas and I'll have, um, like, my sketchbook and I'll scribble. And if you look at the sketchbook, you'd probably go, okay, who in the world, well, why is he doing these scribbles in the, 
<laughs> in this particular question. You know, so I'll, I'll scribble these these ideas down, and uh, and some of them come in the shape of forms uh, of value and, and relationship, and then I leave it at that. So it's kind of like the same way I approach my paintings now. It's I didn't go out with the intent of you know, hey, you know, I'm gonna this is gonna um, remind me, uh, you know, of my son. But for for some reason, as it continued to develop, it sort of pushed its way, you know, in, in, in that direction. So um, I, I, I guess you say my my inspiration is trying to be, and it, it gets back to that truth, trying to be as open and as honest as, as, as I can, and, and I'm still hanging on to stuff now, which I think everybody does as they're, as they're working, um, and, and create out of that environment and, and, and just see where it, where it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned your sketchbook. Do you have like, do you, do you like, are you driving somewhere and you get an idea for a painting and you sort of write it down, or you make a little voice memo, or is it all kind of happening in front of the canvas for you for the most part? Mostly, it's in front of the canvas. Um, but if it's something that's really pressing, or, or you know, because you know, I, I'm inside my head all the time. Uh, <laughs> I had no way of getting away from it. So there will be these spots floating around, and um, I'm, you know, I will wait until I get to my studio or something like that and go, let, let me just, if, if I don't, you know, work it out on the canvas, you know, that's when I may open up my sketchbook and, and, and you know, put it down. Sometimes I'll scribble it down while I'm, like, um, you know, um, you know, the nearest piece of paper, you know, just to have that idea and then take that back to the, uh, to the studio and, and, and just, uh, uh, I might stick it on my easel or, you know, put it somewhere or put it in my sketchbook and then, you know, later as I continue to, you know, think about that or if, if I open up my, my, my book and go, ah, you know, I remember this moment and then start to expand on that idea. So. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Wanda Collette. Sorry, Wanda, if I got that wrong. Quite. In um, Tennessee, says, what fills up your inspiration tanks? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, gosh, that's a way to... Uh, again, you know, and I hate to sound like redundant, but for me, um, I found that when I am painting for my, you know, for my heart and soul, that fills up my, my tank. If I, uh, um, whereas maybe something like, uh, uh, like sometimes, uh, you know, in the past I'd be asked to do like a commission. And instead of approaching the painting <clears throat> uh, with this complete freedom, you know, you already start out with some handcuffs, so to speak. You know, where it's like, well, it has to look like this person. Um, or they have a preconceived idea of what this should look like. And then you have to play with that idea and you know we as artists we have this uh this advantage especially if we're very perceptive in how we see people i would bring a model into the studio and i would you know i would set the model up the way that i thought that <laughs> uh, like he or she should sit and then they would get into themselves and like ah that's what i want to see and then they put off into this whole other world you know while i'm painting them and um you could see their demeanor kind of change and then you sort of respond to that 
that energy. Well, <clears throat> when you're doing something like, like more of a, a portrait kind of thing, you know, some of that, you know, goes away and it's like, yeah, you know, could you take off 10 pounds and, you know, and I have a fat <laughs> mold. But don't, don't, don't say too much about that. Then all of a sudden, that, that energy, that thing that inspires you about what you see in that person or what you want to, the ideas that you want to express, they go completely out of the door. So, you know, when, with the, the fewer handcuffs that I have, the more freedom that I have, which is why I think I'm, I've gravitated to, uh, you know, what I'm doing right now more. So it, it, it allows me the freedom to be more creative in that environment. So uh, to answer the question, I would say what fuels my tank is being able to come in with an open um, mind and heart and be able to, you know, you know, lay things down on the canvas just because, it's something that I want to express or something that I want to get out of, uh, out of my system, good or bad. Yeah, yeah. Just on the off chance that she's actually talking about outside of painting, <laughs> um, meaning, you know, uh, what do you do outside of painting for inspiration? Like, do you go for walks in nature? Are you into cycling? Oh. Or do you like to play to knit? I don't know. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, hopefully I didn't get that way wrong. But um, if we're looking at it like that, you know, I um, I uh, I play music. I'm a, I'm a bass player, so um, uh, I feel okay. myself in music. And um, and something my wife doesn't really um, like so much. I get creative in the house where I'll tear down a wall or something like that just to <laughs> just to play with. <laughs> <laughs> redecorating a room or something like that. So, okay, I'm glad you qualified that, that you're redecorating and not just... <laughs> so I've, I've literally... With a sledgehammer. <laughs> I've literally done that, though. I mean, I, you know, where it's like, uh, it's just like uh, we're running out of rooms to uh, remodel. Um, so, <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, there, there's something about that side of it, too. I like using my hands, things of that nature. I, if you want to get outside of just the actual, like, painting, you know, I, you know, I love squeezing clay, you know, and um, so I'll play with uh, the figurative in a different form. Uh, right. Sometimes. So. Okay. Very good. Um, so you mentioned models. Uh, Cameron Copley-Hessig in Florence again says, how do you find your models, Ron? Well, I had a, well, I used to have like a uh, entire book full of, uh, of models that I painted over over the years. So I have a select few that I, I call on you know every now and then. But uh, the funny thing is, I use them, but then I don't use them. Um, I use them like for inspiration, and then I sort of go off on my own tangent with the model. So it's it's here lately. It's become less about the the idea of likeness and more the spirit or the emotion that that I draw from them. And if I'm being very truthful in, you know, in this, my assessment about this being more about, uh, for me, that these paintings are these abstract paintings, the, the, the figurative uh, portion of it becomes just another series of shapes. And the only thing that, yeah. you know, uh, they're just more recognizable shapes, but there's still there's just another element to me at this point. And that's why I don't get hung up on, um, like I said, like I used to, where it's like, oh, wait a minute, there's this movement of light and there's, this gradation and, and oh, I need to make sure I capture you know, those things become less important unless they are important for you know the dialogue that I'm I'm having with the painting. Then 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 I, I remove those uh, those obstacles, so to speak. Um, 
Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. I um um that's the largest or, or, or model that I, I just have. Yeah. So the model is kind of a starting point more than anything. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Skip Roday again asks, uh, when you work with the model, are you trying to get something of their individual individual personality in the painting? Is the model more like a springboard for your own feelings, or is there some different relationship between you and the model? So you kind of spoke to that, but is there anything else you want to say about it? No, generally, um, when uh, at least now, uh, I think, you know, if you asked me, you know, like five years ago, um, I probably was trying to draw something out of that model that uh, um, that might be readily apparent by just, you know, it, it, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I, you know, I wouldn't come in with a preconceived idea of, hey, um, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Model, I want you to, you know, evoke this emotion, and that's what I want you to have. I, I, I really started to get into it for what I could get out of their, you know, my experience with that model. Um, and then now um, there's this, this different – it's 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 really about the work and what the work needs. It, and so I will push the painting, you know, in one direction or another in order to achieve, you know, you know what I feel is my intuitive goal is for that work. Okay. Um, what what do you like to paint on, um, substrate-wise? Is it canvas or boards or aluminium or what, what sort of thing? I, I do a little bit of both. Uh, here lately, um, just because I've been using chunkier pieces of paint, I've decided to, you know, use like a, like a birch panels. And then I will do one of two things. I'll either, you know, prep the birch panel, uh, you know, with a... Uh, you know, a lit prime base, uh, or I will um, have you know canvas uh, linen, you know, you know, adhered to the, the board and then finished it just like you would like a uh, 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 no, a, a, a canvas. So there's canvas on on, on the birch panel with uh, uh, a lead based um, gesso. Okay. Is that lead in name, or does it actually have lead in it? This actually has lead in it, and I, wow. I've been wearing like uh, my Tyvek suit. <laughs> my uh, suit. <laughs> yes, uh, when when I'm messing with it, because I, I um, uh, years ago, I um, I was speaking with this uh, uh, Robert Doak you know, in New York uh, oil, uh, Robert Doak Oils. Uh, and he was like, yeah, there's going to be this massive uh, uh, shortage of, of lead white paint. And at that time, I wanted to experiment with lead, you know, the, the lead, you know, uh, you know, paint. So I, I bought a, a ton of uh, <laughs> lead paint. Uh, and I, I have a, 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 a small three-row meal. So I, I, some of the texture, you know, that I, that I get is, comes from, um, me being able to actually mix uh, some of my own, you know, paint, which I don't really recommend that for everyone, because uh, it's time-consuming and boring. But uh, for me, I can, I can, you know, if if I want my mixture, uh, uh, because I use a lot of, uh, of of the lead white paint, if I want it a little bit thicker or thinner, you know, I have like these various tubes of of, uh, of thicknesses, right. so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So. Are you wearing gloves then the whole time, like when you're painting? <laughs> I'm just kind of getting my, trying to get my head around using that much lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. So I wear gloves and I try not to eat it. 
Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just using But no, in all seriousness, yeah, I have a, a respirator. Not when, you know, when it's in the tube, then I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a mask on at that point. But, you know, uh, when I'm actually mixing, you know, some of the, the, uh, the paint, yeah, that's where the hazmat suit and the, and the, the respirator and, uh, uh, that, yeah, I've got these giant, um, Tyvex onesies, uh, so I'm overcautious with that because I don't want to, you know, run into a problem with that later. But once it's concealed, you know, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the oil, and I know what's in it, you know, and, and generally, you know, it's pigment and oil, uh, for me, and there's not a lot of that other stuff that you might get in some of those. Um, yeah. So oil paints. Um, okay. Oscar Lopez in San Francisco says, "How you how do you control that high key values on your painting? Um, how do you develop your neutrals to be chromatic?" Mm. The high key uh, values for me. <laughs> That that's pretty much, uh, you know, when I first started painting, you know, I had this uh, this rule that something that became very important to me was really shape and value, uh, and I thought they were like two of the most important things. So when I see values, you know, you, if you can imagine, um, uh, and if you broke the you know the value scale and up into like a let's say a one to ten range, and let's just say everything above a value, let's say 10 was the lightest, everything above, you know, value 6 or 7 or 8, you know, um, would probably be in that, that lighter range. So for me, I have this whole range of colors, if you consider my 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 entire palette. And my palette, you, you know, as, as, you know, some people look at my work and go, oh, it's kind of muted, but I, you know, I have cadmiums, uh, cadmium yellow, uh, cadmium red, you know, I have some of the, you know, uh, very, very chromatic, you know, tones on this. So I have this full range of, you know, chroma, from pure chroma all the way down to, you know, once you, you mix it down, down to like no chroma at all that I can I can play with. So on the value side of it, I have this whole area that I can play with in my, in, in, in that lighter or uh, higher key range that I can, I can play around with. So it's really just a matter of finding balance between some of those, those uh, those dark darker masses or more medium masses versus some of the lighter ones, and I you know when I when I do deal with chrome, especially when you're using it more closer to you know uh, you know out of the tube you know or maybe with you know a mixture or two where it's it's more in its purest stage, um, I just know that coming out of the you know out of the tube, you know the the more chromatic paint has a certain value to it as well. So when I, it, it's, you know, so if I look at uh, my cadmium red, for um, example, the, the medium, it, you know, it might appear to be bright just, you know, looking at it just because it's so chromatic. But, you know, the reality of it is it's, you know, it might be more in the medium range. And in some cases, depending on the paint you get, it could be more, uh, you know, it be if, we, if we're on that scale from 1 to 10, it could be in a value, you know, five or four range, you know, it could, it, yeah. it could get down there really quickly. So, so I balance it by looking at what the, the chroma is and what I think the perceived value is. Yeah, right, that. yeah. Um, and that's how you develop your neutrals to be chromatic, if, if his question, yeah? Yeah, because, so, yeah, exactly, because it, it, 
the reason some of the neutrals appear to be more chromatic is because you control how much chroma is in yeah. If you have a ton of chroma, then it's those 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 uh, the, the neutral values or any values for that matter are going to seem less important. So the the neutral values become a little bit more chromatic because they're they're next to other values that are less chromatic. If that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, Cameron Copley Hessing in Florence again says. Um, what colors do you use for your flesh tones? Oh gosh, <laughs> that might be impossible. <laughs> um, I can tell you my, my the palette. My palette has you know um, I have a you know of course my my white paint, uh, lead white paint. I have a cadmium yellow light, cadmium yellow deep, uh, uh, cadmium red, cadmium red light. So. It's just a combination of, it's very, very intuitive, so I can't tell you a, a certain, you know, a mixture that I pull together to create a certain tone because it, it varies, especially now because uh, because I started to see these, my figures as, as these abstract shapes, you know, it's more about the value than it is about the actual, um, you know, nailing down the, uh, 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 you know, the correct amount of, yeah. uh, we were talking about uh, and things of that nature. Yeah. So it's a very difficult question to ask because um, it varies. And there's my paintings. Uh, you probably can't tell, you know, by looking at them online. But there's 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 like these layers, uh, and some of them because of the the lead paint has this somewhat transparent quality about it. I can lay these layers of paint over top of other layers, and it creates this interesting sort of dynamic. Yeah. Uh, is there anything um, that you do with your skin tone that other people don't do, or you, you know that you haven't heard anybody else doing? Like any color that you particularly like that you just throw in there and it really does something for the skin tone, or not? I think that's probably a better way no, of framing this question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's nothing um, I, that I can think of that would be any different than I think anyone. So how big is your palette, and and is it always the same? Do you always start off with the same palette, or does it change for each painting? No, it, I pretty much start off with the same palette, um, and uh, there's probably about you know ten to twelve colors on there, and I'll add or or, or, or detract from from that. So it could be as small as like nine, but uh, probably about ten eleven. Okay. A anything unusual in there? That you know, it's not other people. Not really. I, I think that it's just like your standard uh, tones. You know, I think that uh, I, I I try to have like uh, like say for example a, a cooler and a warmer you know, like yellow, uh, a cooler and a warmer blue, or I, I consider them more convenience colors for me because I guess technically you could mix them, but you know, it's kind of a waste of energy for me yeah. at this point uh, when I. Something. So, so there's nothing really special. It's just what uh, uh, probably pretty much everyone has access to. Yeah. And do you uh, use black, or do you mix your own? Or oh, I absolutely use black. I, <laughs> um, I, I stopped for a little bit because when I was uh, it, this is another one of those things that that gets me. I stopped for a little while because someone back when I was uh, you know in college was like, hey, you should use black. Not a color. Uh, something like that. And I was like, really? <laughs> so 
I stop using but you need to mix your black and I so I went around and I was trying to find all these combinations to get uh uh you know uh, the black that I wanted and, and especially if you tended it ever so slightly it would shift towards one of those tones that you you'd have in it. It's like God this is this is you know, why can't we use black? <laughs> And then I finally said, I'm using black. And it's it, it black, especially combined, like if you took your entire palette and kind of combined it with some of the other tones, it, it makes some of these very, very interesting uh, uh, tones that you just can't get with, like, trying to create, like, a chromatic black or something like that. Yeah. So, yes, I use black. What, what black do you use? Just so ivory black or lamp black? or do you have- I use the ivory black and um, lamp and... Um, I play around with Mars as well, so okay. I've, I've experimented, but mo- for the most part, it's a lamp black. Okay. Um, Oscar Santa Fe in Israel says, how do you soften lines, for instance, between hair and the forehead? Well, there's a, 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 a couple of ways. Sometimes, you know, if I'm working, you know, more where there's, it's a wet and wet kind of situation, you can play around with, um, um, you know, pushing some of those tones together. Uh, you can, uh, sometimes I'll find a, a value that's in between the two of those and, 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 and I'll soften an edge that way. Or even if I'm using, like, uh, a tone next to a, a, another tone and the edge isn't soft, if you get the value right, then you, you're going to have this optical softening anyway. So it, it really varies. And... Uh, and especially now when I'm working, um, I uh, abuse the edges. Uh, uh, so I might scratch back into them with my brush and push them around and, uh, you know, have this uh, this playful way of, um, uh, of playing with the edge until I get it to where I want it to be. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, so it's... Uh, me, it's just a bunch of experimentation until I feel as though I have accomplished what I needed to get out of that particular area. All right. Um, Lynn Felton, who is a friend of the podcast, thanks for the tea, Lynn, uh, says, beautiful work. I'd love to know all about Ron's technique and medium and the texture, too. I love it. How do you develop, um, how did you come to develop the way you work? Okay, so you kind of talked about the, how you came to the way you work, but um, yeah, you do you have a medium that you particularly like? No, I, I really I really rely on uh, like I said uh, using pigments. So I I, <laughs> like I told you I bought some uh, a bunch of pigment and um, and it I can kind of control how much pigment is in, in in my paint. So I use that to sort of stick it up with. The, the only problem I do have, uh, and, I, and I'll use like a, a, a like like Galfi gel or something like that if I want to thin some things out. Uh, uh, I have used Mary J. Don't use it as much as I used to. Um, um, back in the day to thin uh, things out, or simply just using uh, just some oil and uh, like a. And, and, and thinner, you know, in fifty-fifty, uh, and just to uh, uh, you know have something to thin down some things at the very beginning, and then the rest of it is just uh, um, um, building up these layers with uh, uh, you know more pigment in them than than, than oil. 
Okay, so you didn't just buy the white, the lead white. You bought lots of pigment. Is that what is that what you're saying? Yes, I have. I have others. Oh, uh, right. Okay, I wasn't with you there. The, the white is the main one that I use because it's like uh, that's the one I bought the abundance. Of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've got a big room full of that somewhere. Yeah. Okay, I got. Sure. Uh, enough for my lifetime, let's put it that way. Oh, wow. Okay, so you, 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 okay, so it's in the powder form and you get out the muller and you mix in the oil and you actually do all that. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Um, and, and I have, a, I actually have a, a three row meal machine too, or a smaller. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and I'll mix it. That's why I said I have various tubes of these. Yeah, no, sorry, I didn't get it that's when you said it first. Thinner, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 paint. Um, some you can barely get out of the tube. Uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's great. Right. Um, okay. Um, Ken Cunningham says, absolutely love your work. Could you speak about the balance between planning and going with your own impulses of when building a piece? Also, one of the things I absolutely love about your work, among many, is the texture, texture and surface of the works. Could you also speak a bit about how you build your surfaces? Um, I'll start with the, the last part uh, because I think we kind of touched yeah. on the, the yeah, first yeah. part a little bit. But, um, but the, the building is uh, and that's that's the uh, we talked earlier about with jazz and me. <laughs> you know, I, I love playing with, with with texture and laying and, and laying paint out. But if I get back to my my technique, I, I generally work on at least two or three paintings uh, simultaneously. And for me, A, it allows for a little bit of drying time because sometimes when you paint a little bit thicker, it's hard to, to keep going over things, um, uh, uh, especially if there's an area that you're not, you, when you're not sure you're gonna, where you're going to go next. Um, and, and B, uh, I don't want to exhaust, you know, I've I, I become so in touch with myself, I know when I get to the point in a painting where I'm like, okay, you know what, this thing is, uh, I'm just slapping stuff around and it's really not productive. So, um so, so each layer, uh, you know, that, that I put on is like one uh, starting right with some thinner, you know, layers at the very beginning, and they build up gradually as I continue to um, uh, do paint. And and when the uh, the paint is, you know, still and it's, um, you know, it's not, you know, not completely like dry. Uh, um, which in oils I could take some time uh, sometimes. You know, I can continue to play with the oil as, as I, uh, um, at, at various stages. So I, I, I have fun laying things over the top of them, pressing into them, you know, um, pulling things out, you know, until I can't do it anymore. And then, and then I let it become what it is. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I think, I think... Did you have another question at the very beginning, or did I? Did you kind well, of I said, can you can you speak about the the balance between planning and going with your impulses, which you've kind of yeah you've kind of covered that. Um, Tanya uh, Rivelis in Germany says, "Amazing paintings, so in love." These are all with exclamation marks, and that one had a little heart emoji as well. Uh, Ron, <laughs> please tell us about the process uh, working on one piece in general. And how you get this amazing structure or texture? So yeah, you've kind of spoke about that. So is there anything else you wanted to add about that? Um, only this. It's it's not a formulaic way of working at all. I, I think that um, uh, 
uh, this whole idea of me getting in touch with myself is I only spend time on things that I think that the painting needs. So um, each painting has its own life. So I, I can't say that I approach every painting the same way because because it, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. Sometimes there's more of a, a, a figurative thing at the very beginning, and sometimes there's not, you know, and then it's just this reaction to it. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what I would add yeah. to it. It's, it's, it's more important. Have, have you done any completely abstract pieces? I didn't see any, but um, maybe just when I was looking around, but um, do they always have that, like, figurative element in it, even if it's quite maybe small or obscured? No, I've done some... Um, some pretty non-objective, but I, I haven't shown any of them. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I didn't see them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's funny, so if, if I can go back um, uh, to my, uh, which may or may not be of interest, yeah, my my progression was after, after I got to the point where uh, I had this wonderful instructor, and he was, he, when I was in college, and he his name was Randy Brewer, he was the guy that really, um, um, sort of opened my eyes, um, and, and I tell this from time to time, too. You know, I had this uh, this illustration. I remember bringing it to him. He was my painting and drawing instructor, and I, I had airbrushed this uh, painting of Tinkerbell spreading, spreading magic dust in, you know, the air. I thought it was, like, the greatest thing because it was so accurate. And uh, he looked at it. I remember him saying, you know, you know, this is just irrelevant. <laughs> oh, no. Said, because you're a painter. <laughs> oh, okay. And he said, it's irrelevant because you're a painter. And I thought, well, what is that supposed to mean? This is art. Uh, but to me, I, that's what I thought and perceived art was. So um, as time has progressed, as, you know, over the years, you know, after I talked to him, and he started introducing these ideas that were a little bit different than just your standard, you know, hey, let's take a... Uh, you know, a cast and, and copy it. You know, he was he started introducing these these visual ideas, uh, you know, so that you could sort of you know dig into various types of painting and then you could understand them. So, like light and shadow, for example, had its own attributes. You know, uh, local tone or tonal painting had its own you know attributes. And there's these various um, types of of um, um, uh, uh, of these visual elements that you know that he introduced to me, I started going, well, wait a minute. So if it's not about this transference, then what is it about? You know, if it's not that, then what is it? And that's what started start, started my you know my my evolution, so to speak. And so during the course of the years, I started to work. You know, with I've got some you know um, abstract, uh, uh, completely non-objective painting friends. Um, that uh, we kind of challenged each other. You know, it was like, okay, let's get together and see what happens. And so I um, actually started working outside the boundaries of the four corners of uh, a two-dimensional surface and, you know, with my oils and paints. So I, I started to do some of the, a lot of this experimentation, you know, going, okay, I need to discover what is this, you know, if it's not just this, then what is this art thing? And I started to come to the conclusion that it's, it's really not just about um, you know, you know, making a pretty painting. You know, there, you know, you know, art is is, is like this expression. And I did this uh, residency in in uh, in France, and I was there for a month. And I I thought, you know, I was going to take all my paints over and just paint the countryside and do all this. But I was partnered up with uh, uh, 
there wasn't technically a, well there was a couple of uh, you know um, very contemporary non-objective painters and there is a uh, there's a composer and a photographer and 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 someone that was doing like these installations so I spent all my time didn't <laughs> crack open my paints you know like maybe one or two days but the rest of the time was this exploration in just other areas yeah so it sort of broadened uh, the map for me so to speak but I think I'm getting away from the actual. <laughs> what we were talking about, but I think what I'm saying is this, is that, you know, all of these things have informed, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing right now or, or, or has been a contributing a contributing factor. What was the question again? Well, no, I was asking you if you had done any just completely abstract paintings without any figurative, and you were saying, yeah, I have, but no one's ever seen oh. them. And then you were t saying, you, was, you, you started to explain it about your kind of journey and where those paintings fitted into that journey. I think, anyway, that's what you were saying. Yeah. So during the course of that, I had a number of paintings. I think that's why I kind of mentioned it. Uh, a number of paintings that came off to where I was just searching, like, very non-objectively, uh, you know, uh, and making a statement about form, emotion, things of that nature, you know, in those endeavors. And, and, and that's when I started to draw the conclusion that, wait a minute, you know, I think there's these common things, as I mentioned earlier, and that's where the exploration began. So, yes, there are some out there, but I just don't <laughs> And did you resist the figure coming back into them then when that started to happen, or how did that start to happen? Well, the reason the figure came back into it because there was this. So I told you I had these these friends. There was always this, you know, especially when I was in college. Like, well, those are the uh, abstract guys over there, and then those are the you know the realists, you know. So there was this 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 clear like you know you don't know what you're talking about, and uh, you know from both sides. Yeah, and I'm sitting here looking at all this dialogue, and even in, in, as I was working with some of my my, my, my good friends, I was like, well, there's got to be some common ground between all of this. I think that, you know, it's, it's, to me, I started to look at it like a body, you know, it's, we're, you know, we're, it, you know, we, we have our hands and feet and, and our head, you know, we're all a part of the same body, but we just, you know, some things are just, you know, do different things. And so I started looking at, you know, well, there's got to be some common things, you know, well, we're part of the body, but maybe there there's some common things that, that these all share. So that really started my, you know, piqued my interest. Well, how could I include, you know, some of these, uh, what people would consider maybe more representational uh, or something that is more tangible with some of these things that are, um, you know, very abstract and, and find this harmonious dialogue with all of these. So that's where I started to um, um, explore in, the, in this arena that I'm in right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, okay, Jasmine Alger um, says, I'd like to know about your layering process. I don't see anything on Instagram or your website about medium. Um, is there collage elements or is it all paint? I uh, would love to know more. Thanks. So you covered the first two um, already, but yeah, anything about the collage? Is there anything other than paint on your pa in your paintings? No, it it. it, it. It, it, it's all oil paint, and 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 I hesitate, and then, and I think I briefly talked about it a little bit earlier, uh, even speaking about technique, because it, you know technique without a a, a, a reason, and unless you're just trying to understand, you know, what someone's doing with the technique, um, is it, it, it means nothing unless you have a reason that you're you know utilizing it, and I, I come to the conclusion, you know, we have to look at it from the reverse. You don't learn the technique. And then figure out how to apply it. You know, you figure out what you need, and then you, however you solve that, becomes your technique for solving that problem. Yeah. And then that becomes who you are. Uh, so um, 
I used to, and again, I've done everything that every other artist has probably done. Like, oh man, I really love that technique. I got to try it. And then all of a sudden, you'll see, you know, like paintings that, you know, where you're, and this is the pretentious part because I've, I've lived it. You're know, like, I'm trying that technique. I'm putting it into my, you know, my arsenal. But put it in, 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 a, in a foreign way to where I didn't vet it, so to speak. And it just became this technique and it meant nothing other than you could do this cool thing. So, um, I, I encourage people that, you know, if you, if you're, you're, let your technique be a byproduct of what is happening inside. Uh, and I think that that's the most important thing. Yeah, that's a great distinction to make, to, to have, you know, the desire. You want there's something you want to do, and then you've, the technique is like your solution to that rather than technique for its own sake. That's brilliant. I was thinking about a, a musician, and, uh, um, and his name is Victor Wooten. He's a bass player, really, uh, really talented guy. Uh, used to be with Bela Fleck and the Flecktones <laughs> uh, in the day. Uh, but he he said something uh, one time that I was listening to. I don't know if I was on the internet or not, but uh, he said something about you know I should be able to pick up like a, a trumpet even if I am. And he's a bass player. Even if I am a bass player, I should be able to make music with that instrument, you know, or I should be able to hear that music you know, from the trump, uh, from a trumpet or a sax or something, and I should be able to get, to figure out how to put it into 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 my music. So it got me thinking, and like, I think that's the same thing with, you know, with art, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, and I said this before, and someone was like, what do you mean by that? You know, it's like either you're an artist or you're not, you know. And I know that might sound like a controversial statement, but to me, either, either you're an artist or not. There are a lot of people that are painting that are not artists. <laughs> uh, not about controversy on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I agree so, with you. I agree with you. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that in, in a mean way, but it, you know, there. You know, um, I think the true essence of what you, you know, art is about is, is about something deeper than just um, the surface level stuff. Yeah. And, and not to take anything away from people that stop at that surface. I mean, if that's what your truth is, then that becomes your truth. You know, so then, you know, I guess technically you, you are an artist. But uh, if, you know, I think there's these varying levels that, um, um, as you can, as you obtain more information that, you know, it takes you in like these, uh, on, on this journey. Yeah. Yeah. We allow it. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have a friend many years ago, um, Martin Finnan. He's come up a few times on this podcast, and I went to visit him one time. This was before I'd started painting, you know, many years before that. And Martin's an artist, and um, he he was a very cliched kind of starving artist at the time and living in a, a flat. And uh, when I went to visit him, he was gluing... Um, breakfast cereal, you know, they're called Monster Munches, I don't know if you have them in America, but they're just an unusual shape kind of breakfast cereal, and he was gluing these to a chair, right, <laughs> and, and making a, a thing, you know, and I remember like mm -hmm. just, it's what you said just triggered that, it was like, I, was, I remember looking at him doing that, and he was talking about it and explaining why he was doing it, and he wasn't just bored, <laughs> he was doing, he was making, yeah. making something, you know. And thinking, yeah, wow, that's an artist. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, he's basically making art out of breakfast cereal and the chair he was just sitting on. Because I think there weren't that many chairs in the room. <laughs> so, you know, he, and he's making this thing because he can't help himself but do that, you know. And that to me is like, mm -hmm. you know, that, that 
that guy just can't not be an artist. Exactly, and that's and that's what I started to understand what my instructor back then actually meant. Yeah, it's like okay, it's nice that you're doing that, but that's irrelevant. Yeah, he said I was a painter, but I really think he's, he's saying you know you you are an artist. You know, basically start acting like one. <laughs> you know, if, if there is to act like one. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you can act like one, but it's probably better to behave like one. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> Um, okay, so how do you check yourself as you're working? Because you've got such a, you know, an exploratory kind of process. You know, normally this kind of question is about, like, you know, some artists, they like to use mirrors. They like to turn the canvas upside down. They take pictures with their phone. They squint. They get their friends in to critique them, you know. It, like that process of how do you check how you're going as you're, you know, going through the process. I've, um... I've done a number of those things during the course of my my life, and, and even you know currently you have to step back and. Uh, but I think that the the check for me, <laughs> this is this is this is goes back into that category of you know really finding out or figuring out who you are you know and what you're supposed to be doing. There's this intuitive check for me if it's not right, and I've, I've had some of my um, the gallery directors go, yeah, we need that painting here tomorrow. Is it you know? And I, I, I can't let it go yet. I, I be, because it doesn't feel right. Yeah. So for me, because it's so much of me, it has to feel right before it, it goes out or else it's just not right. Even if to the world it's unfinished <laughs> or if it's, you know, like, what in the world are you doing with it? If it doesn't feel right to me, then it's not okay. Yeah. And I encourage, like, some of the students that I've, I've come across, whoops, some of the students that I've, I've come across, I've got something in the middle of my screen. Sorry about the pause here. That's okay. Um, some students that I come across, I've, I've encouraged them to just be like, well, um, uh, I lost my train of thought because of that phone actually, to be quite honest with you. You, um, you were talking about um, not releasing um, work until it feels right to you? Oh, yes. Yeah. You'll find with me that, it, you know, I'm like that squirrel kind of guy. <laughs> it goes off, I'm, off, I'm off on another tangent. Um, yeah. You can't let it go until it, until it feels right to you. But with that said, you have to have something in your tank in order to make some of those, you know, assessments. So I think it's very valid to go through a program, you know, um, you know, you know at a school or an atelier or, or uh, something of that nature so that you can get some of these, you know, uh, these intuitive tools. Um, but I think that at some point you have to, you know, break away from that, which is why, you know, if I, if I do have someone that, that I'm working with and, 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 and after a while I go, hey, you know, there's not much that I can tell you. You need to go explore now. You know, some, some instructors are more like, hey, look, you don't paint exactly the way I do and what I tell you to do, then you are no good. And, and I'm just not that kind of guy. As a matter of fact, I don't want you to paint like me. I want you to paint like you. You know, figure out who you are, uh, and then you can let that stuff go. Yeah. Um, do you register that feeling of rightness or not there yet? Do you register that in your body, or where do you feel that? I think it's... Um, I don't know if it's necessarily my body. It's 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 just that, uh, and sometimes I don't even know what it is. 
you know, sometimes it's like this doesn't feel right. And so I think it's more of an internal thing for me. And then I'll step away. And, and that's why I'll work on like, like another painting or, or something else. Set that one aside. Um, and sometimes they'll, they'll, they can be set aside for a month or two. Yeah. <laughs> and then I come back to them with this new kind of, uh, you know, ah, I know what to do here now. Or if I'm working on one of my pieces, I might glance over in the corner of my studio and go, aha, and then pull that one off <laughs> and it, you know, and snap it up there and go, ah, here we are. This is what, this is what I needed right for this particular piece. So yeah. it, it's sort of like that thing for me. Yeah. But I know when it's not ready. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I do have like you know I'll have like the, the like one of my dealers is hey you know what just put a stamp on it I think it's great you know I was like yeah but it, to me it doesn't feel right so if it's not right I I, I struggle with letting it go because then then I have the stress <laughs> of having that out there without the, the resolve that I uh, you know I want for it yeah no it'll haunt you I uh, can't wait to get it back. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of lighting setup do you have in your studio? Uh, right now, I have some balanced lights that are, uh, um, I have like a, about, gosh, depends on, uh, I don't have anything. It's kind of difficult to count all of them right now, but there's, there's quite a few that I can switch on and switch off. Uh, uh, so there's this, this combination of these uh, warmer, and, and, and cooler uh, lights that I have, uh, uh, they are LED, okay. um, so they 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 don't burn hot or anything like that. I used to have some that were really 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 hot, uh, and that was uncomfortable sometimes. But uh, so I have them above my head, and then I have um, you know in the daytime I, I have these skylights, and there's some natural light that comes in. So, okay, um, and are you going for? Um, a similar kind of lighting for what they look like in the showroom, like in the gallery, or for what they look like in the collector's home? Well, I still came to the conclusion, because I, I used to worry about that as well, and I I think that uh, the, the thing about light, um, you know, unless, you know, something crazy happens, I think that any lighting situation that you put, the, you know, unless it's like completely like dim, <laughs> you can't see it or or it's, you know, there should be probably a certain amount of light on, on it. But say whether the light is a little bit warmer or a little bit cooler, you know, if that light is is pouring across the surface and all of the uh, the components or the things that are, you, you put into the painting, it's, it's all going to be relative. So I think it'll be seen in somewhat the same way, whether it's in a cooler light or a warmer light or something like that. Right. Um, so I'm not as, you know, um, um, you know, concerned, or at least no one's complained to me and said, hey, you know what, you need to, you know, <laughs> if this was a tad bit warmer, everything, then this would be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, I don't worry about it as much anymore. Um, but I do like close to, you know, you know, uh, uh, what you would see with like a daylight or something like that, you know, uh, ish. Yeah. Daylight-ish. Okay. <laughs> Uh, right, Briley uh, Moreno says, Hi Ron, wondering what you listen to or entertain yourself with while you paint. Any podcasts, albums, etc. Thanks. Um, I have a selection of contemporary Christian music, some jazz. I, you know, if we're talking about music, uh, occasionally, you know, 
for me, I will listen to a podcast, but it's usually, you know, if I have a friend or some, hey, you know what, you need to check this out. Uh, but uh, not often uh, I, do I go out uh, unless there's something that I find of great interest that I'll, I'll, I'll pull out. I'm, I'm usually listening to myself um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I talk to myself while I'm working. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so, it, so it, it's either music um, or um, an occasional, occasional podcast here and there, but mainly music. Yeah. Do you find that, like, people talking uh, distracts you away from that kind of internal process that you're engaged in, in the sort of painting you're doing now? It's funny. You would you would think that that would be a problem. But actually, I could be have, I could have this conversation with you and still kind of work because there is this uh, – uh, there's this internal thing that's happening with me where it allows me to paint and, and – uh, I know I said I was like squirrel, but you know when it comes to painting, there's there's this more this intuitive sort of natural thing that happens for some reason, where I'm able to do that. So that, so talking doesn't really really bother me. Yeah. It it may slow me down a little bit, you know, because I've done some, uh, you know, back when I was doing more workshops, you know, I would do like some demonstrations and things of that nature. So if I was trying to get a point out, you know, uh, uh, that it might take me longer to do that, whereas. Yeah. Uh, no, I meant listening to podcasts. Um, is it like distracting? It would distract you away from the inner process. No, no, it's all background noise for me, actually. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's um I I used to play basketball when I was uh, uh you know in high school. Uh, oh, God, I thought you were playing when you were painting. Jesus. <laughs> it's incredible. You should try it. Um, <laughs> If you've ever played like sports or something like that, it's it's sort of like you know there there's the fans out there, <laughs> and when you're playing and you're on the, the the court and you're you know doing your thing, you almost don't even know that they're even there. Right. Yeah. Um, sometimes even in performing, you know, like if uh, I touch a play base, sometimes you don't even realize that anyone is there, and then it's like oh there are people out there too. So it's kind of like that with the, with the music. I'm taking in the information, but it's it's. It's coming in through a different channel. It uh, doesn't uh, uh, pull me away unless it's for some crazy stuff, you know. That's why I try not to listen to like the news <laughs> when I am um, uh, when I'm uh, when, when I'm painting. I you know I try not to uh, because because sometimes it could be like a oh, what, what just happened there? <laughs> Whoa! <Yeah. laughs> you know, and that might take me off my game. Um. Okay, Rod uh, Hayslip in Ohio says, what's your favorite tool at the moment? My favorite tool? Yeah. I think he means like palette knife, you know, that kind of tool. Oh, I would, <laughs> I would say, you know, I do like my palette knife because I can pick up a, you know, like a lot of paint with, with, with that. But um, I have a, a number of things that, uh, you know, that I can pick up like the end of my brush and... <laughs> A broken brush that, that creates like these interesting marks and things of that nature. So, uh, but I have to say my favorite tool is is, is palette knife, just because I can I, I use it quite often yeah. to get paint on the on the canvas. Okay, is it any particular special kind of palette, palette knife, or is it just, or not shape or? Oh, I have uh, several of them. You know, some of them uh, you know are. You know, long and, and slender, you know, they're like very, very small, up to some very, very wide ones, like they could be probably, you know, almost two inches wide. So, uh, 
Uh, so they vary in sizes. Yeah. And do you have a preference of brushes? Um, I used to. And I used to buy some very expensive ones, and then I just beat them up um, because I, I am very hard on on brushes. So um, I try to find, you know, the, the very economical ones, but not the bottom of the barrel because, you know, then you spend, like, forever trying to pick <laughs> uh, fibers or, or hairs out of a you know, off the canvas. So I like a bristle brush, and, 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 and mainly because, um, you know, I can actually pick up, you know, um, a lot of paint with, with the brushes, whereas some of these tables and things of that nature uh, don't work as well for me because um, you, they don't lend themselves to that, uh, you know, being able to do, to do that. So so most of the time it's like a, a bristle brush with a little bit of stiffness to it. And, yeah. But, because I found I can really manipulate those to create, you know, even some softer tones. So yeah. If you have enough paint on the brush. Yeah. Um, okay, Martin Prado in Washington State uh, says, "Yes, this is all I wanted for Christmas. Ron, you are such an inspiration to me. Uh, I zoom in on your paintings on Artsy nearly every day to look at those sweet, sweet strokes up close." Now, I have so many questions, but to pick one, do you ever finish a painting in one or two sessions, or is it always a long process where you continue to add and subtract and blur and refine that takes a long time? How long? In a typical portrait of yours, how many times have you painted over it? In other words, how much is wet into wet versus glazing? Oh, yeah. And that's a difficult one to answer, but I will say that it's more of the, the latter. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, to, uh, be, be, because I may start out, let's just say, I'll start out with a, a, a if my inspiration is like a, a, a huge thick swath of paint that I, that I lay down and break up the canvas, sometimes, you know, before I even, you know, introduce any other elements to it, you know, I have to process what that means to me and, and how I should approach it. So so the waiting is that so much, uh, even though this is a part of it for, you know, allowing, you know, for the paint to, you know, become a little bit, to cure a tad bit, but more for me, it's, it's really a head game at that point. It's like, okay, so now that you've broken up this canvas, what do we do next with this? Or if you're listening for, or I say you, if I'm listening for, you know, inspiration, like if I'm going to add a figurative you know, element to this, then where is that going to come in? And and, and so so the waiting game is more of uh, contemplating things like that than than the actual technical side of it. Now, if I had to handle my painting like um, um, like I used to, or like I, I I see every now and then where you start at one corner and work your way all the way across. And it's like, ta-da, I'm done. Um, that is, and actually, I've never been that kind of person, first of all, but I, I've seen it done. I was like, that is just amazing that someone can, can actually do that. But for me, I, um, you know, I, I, I've always had to take like this, uh, um, uh, you know, into consideration the whole and then you know, work back into the smallness and bring myself out to the large, you know, and, and keep doing that know, sort of uh, um um, way of looking at things until until I until I find things to be harmonious. Uh, so it's it's more of the latter, definitely, where uh, I'm pushing and pulling because some of the things are, are you I, you know for me at least I can't create those in a wet and wet situation completely anyway. Um, uh, 
uh, say for example when there's some drier paint underneath and I do go over it with like a, a mixture with some of my lead white and some and some you know some you know I push that tone over another tone there's this completely different thing that happens than what would happen if that was in a, in a wet and wet situation yeah and just on average how long does it take you to finish a painting like from start to finish Ooh. Um, I would, I mean, it really varies, but, you know, I would say probably um, at least three weeks, just because, and that's at the very least, uh, if, I, if I'm being, you know, generous, because I have to, I have to marinate, so to speak. Yeah. There's this this process, and as a matter of fact, I was talking to my wife um, yesterday about you know I've started like these pieces, and uh, and there's this this phase of where I'm just like uh, breaking down shape for harmonious you know purposes, and then I have to sit back and look at that, and then I jump back in for a minute, and then I leave it, you know. So so that's what takes up you know a, a, a good chunk of the time, and then there's you know other you know, technical things like drying time and, and that sort of thing. But I say I'd say three weeks would be um, the, the fastest, uh, um, and then it goes beyond that. Okay. Because I got one here right now. It's at the six month mark. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, I'm sorry. It's at the. It was in March. It was in March. It started out in March. So where are we at now? Uh, <laughs> November. Yeah. End of November. Yeah, so. Yeah, so, so, uh, and we may not, I may not dig back into that one until uh, the beginning of the year. So it's, it really depends. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, God, I'm really enjoying this podcast. I've listened to a few now and they're brilliant. And there's so many of them. And I've learned so much from listening to them. And you know what? If I met that John Dalton fellow in real life, I'd love to buy him a cup of tea and have a chat with him. I'd love to do that every month if I could. Well, now you can. The tea part, at least, because this podcast runs on cups of tea bought for me by people like you who listen to the podcast and send me the price of a cup of tea once a month through the Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash John Dalton, Gentle Douglas, all one word. And if you're one of those people who already send me cups of tea through Patreon, thanks a million. The tea is lovely, and I really appreciate it. Now, the great thing is that if you can't afford to send me the price of a cup of tea or you don't want to, that's fine. You still get exactly the same podcast for free. It's sort of an honor system where the people who can afford it and want to pay for the people who can't or don't want to. So it's all lovely. So if you'd like to send me a cup of tea once a month, you can do that through Patreon. I'd really appreciate it. It makes a huge difference to me. Brad Davis in Cincinnati says, how do you balance the illusion slash tactile, tactile emphasis that your paintings have? Oh, the illusion. Hmm. I'm not sure if I understand that, but if he's talking about the... <laughs> I was hoping you would. I didn't really get it either. I'll say it again, right? How do you balance the illusion slash tactile emphasis that your paintings have? Well, if I think what he said, as a matter of fact, you know, if there's a follow-up, maybe I can answer him you know, on an individual if he can give me a little bit more detail, as, you know, so that I can be accurate with my response. But if it's in terms 
of what I see in uh, like for surface technique and things of that nature. Like if I'm moving from something that is more, you know, has more uh, a realism sort of feel to it to something that's abstract, you know, and, and balancing that whole uh, dynamic, that is, um, um, I use each element or, or if you want to say like how thick or how thin something is, uh, and I use that as a harmonious uh, uh, element as well. So there, even the placement of some of the thicker, more uh, chunkier pieces, you know, that you'll find on my canvas are placed in a certain way. Or I feel I, I feel better if there's if I feel that I've achieved some harmonious dialogue with how that's placed or distributed throughout the piece, because maybe some of the areas that have a little bit more of uh, let's say broken down shapes like you would have in the, in, in the figure. Maybe they maybe they don't have as much of a you know maybe they're not as thick in, uh, as uh, some of the other areas. So I balance that by making sure that I have uh, a lot of other like thinner passages versus you know thicker passages throughout my piece, and I try to find harmony in that as well. So if he's talking about that, then yes, I, I do take that into consideration uh, uh, because. What you, what you don't want to introduce, it's just like anything else. It, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're trying to, you know, find some harmony in, in, in color versus, uh, 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 well, let's just say, value or something like that, there's this delicate balance depending on what you're, what you, what you're trying, what the statement that you're trying to make that you have to achieve. So I think that even texture is one of those things, whether it's painted texture, you know, Something that, that you can act, that's actually you know physically on the canvas, or uh, I mean something that's physically on the canvas, or something that you actually paint in terms of texture on the canvas. You know, so you 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 have to balance those things against one another. Just like with chroma, if I introduce a piece of chroma in in the piece, then I'm certainly have to balance that against uh, you know a number of the other elements that are you know involved in the painting. So, uh, so if he's talking about actual physical texture and, and how I balance that, with, uh, then I would say that's how I do that. I hope that answers that question. But if not, please uh, follow up, and I'll I'll be more specific. Yeah, no, I think you got. It. I think I think that's. I think you're right. I think that's what he was talking about. Um. Okay. Um. Alicia Maria Elliott in Washington State says, what pushed you from uh, your past fully representational into your more recent and contemporary abstraction paintings? And Rod uh, Hayslip in Ohio again says, and Rod is a friend of the podcast, I forgot to mention, thanks for the tea, Rod. And he says, shout out, shout out for Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> exclamation mark. <laughs> when I first discovered your art, it seemed to fit into a tidy, delightful box. Uh, but since that initial reaction, the evolution in your art is very clear to see. In it, there are nods to old-world uh, frescoes uh, alongside contemporary passages. Is your artistic evolution purely organic or a careful self-curation? So you've, you've spoken about that quite a bit. Is there anything else that those questions kind of prompted? Uh, no, I think that uh, I, 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 it's pretty intuitive at this point. And I, I think it's, it's, you know, what's coming out of me is Pretty much what I think should come out of me, and and the only thing that, and, and this might, you know, be something I said a little bit earlier. The the, the reason I kind of have moved is moved in this direction is because my 
I'm listening to my heart and soul. And if you're not, if I'm, if you're not satisfied, and I'll say me, if I'm not satisfied, then I, it, it's hard for me to stay in uh, uh, a situation uh, and, and just just be okay with it. It's kind of like a, it's abusive <laughs> in, in in a certain sense because it's like, well, I could stay in in, in you know in, 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 in you know paint a certain type because I've had people ask me, they're like, well. It wasn't broke. Why are you? Why did you change? You continue to paint this until you know to your final days. And if it doesn't feel right, or if I'm, you know, if there's something inside of me that says, "Hey, you know what? You need to explore this." Uh, I'm, you know, I, I've allowed myself to do that rather than, you know, continue doing something that I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, but not really truly, you know, into it. Yep. So I think that's the biggest, the, the biggest thing for me. Um, my myself forces me to, you know, go in this direction because when you don't feel it, you don't feel it. Yeah. Very good. Um, <laughs> all right. William Blake in Chicago says there seems to have been a jump in your work from sorta, spelled S-O-R-T-A, sorta, sorta French and in this is in Vertigo's French Riviera in the fifties romance scene and quotes, uh, to these wonderful figurative paintings that add what artists like Klimp has put down. Um, could you talk about that jump in your work and how you found your way to making these great paintings? Okay, so similarly, you've already talked about it, but is there anything, yeah. anything that else you want to say about just that that question prompted? Uh, where, where are you painting? The 50s? <laughs> retro 50s? <laughs> I don't think you were, were you? <laughs> French Riviera in the well, 50s? <laughs> I had this whole um, way of romanticizing life, if you will, and uh, I think, you know, there was this thing about relationships and people being together, and, you know, I was doing a lot of, the, you, know, the, you know, depicting, you know, scenes um, that lent itself to that. So, um when I backed up a little bit and I started to really, you know, again, get in touch with myself and I noticed this sounded like I'm being redundant. Um, when I pulled away from that, then I, I had a, a different focus. Yeah. And when you move away from the mass, looking at the masses and you start painting, you know, for your truth, yeah. you know, whatever's inside you, then you let go of some of those things and you really explore other ideas. Yeah. So that's kind of that right That's now. when the romance all ended. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, it, I, I enjoy doing that, but right now, I have to follow this path, yeah. you know, and see where it takes me. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, Joseph Gerstack in Holland says, "Are you inspired by Klimt? When and how did you? Tr when, when and how did your transition happen from darker traditional tones?" To lighter modern neutral tones. I love both styles. Again, similar, lots of similar topic, but anything from that question? Yeah. Uh, again, I say you know most people think stylistically. Yes, you know some of the uh, um, the values and things of that nature are different, but the, that what I'm doing has always kind of been. Um, uh, so, so for me there. I can see from the outside world looking in that it seems like this huge jump, but for me, it, it's it's sort of not. Yeah. Um, and because we, you know, I, I, of course, you know, people on the outside haven't been along this 
uh, you know, on this slow uh, journey. So, can you read the first part of that question? Um, are you inspired by Klimt? And then, uh, how, when and how did your transition happen from darker traditional tones to lighter modern neutral tones? And I think the, the, the question is best answered. I went through this period, a lot of my beginning paintings were actually these um, exercises for me. So when I, I, I talked a little bit earlier about how shape and value became like the very, very most important thing. So I was going through this period with the, the darker work because I really wanted to, to get in touch with the dark side, so to speak, yeah. uh, and, and figure out, you know, how I could keep shape and their relationships, you know, through these higher key, you know, paintings versus lower key paintings. So uh, a, a number of the paintings that came out after, you know, for, for some time were really in that medium to, 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 to dark range because I was really exploring that idea. So, so my paintings became sort of an extension of what I was trying to explore, which now as time has progressed, it's been more and more of allowing myself to show some of, the, uh, of those things. So yeah, that's why... I, it, it changed over the or during the course. Yeah, it's surprising the number of people that asked about Klimt. You know, I mean, I could kind of see it, but not, yeah. not, not really. <laughs> I, I I I don't, and I, I tell people completely different uh, things that uh, that we're going after, and I, I I don't see it. I I don't know if it's because of the the figures versus some of the. Uh, uh, even the application of, of the the paint is completely different. I I don't see it myself either, but um, people um, um, have to have mentioned it. And I, I yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm 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 flattered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's worse people you could be compared to for sure. Um, I was feeling it's actually you know the way with Clint, like when you take away all the ornamentation and the gold and all that kind of stuff. Um, there, there is a kind of focus on just the face. I could see a similarity mm -hmm. in that, that like there's a lot of stuff going on and then there's this kind of beautiful face shining out at you, looking at you usually. Um, and I, yeah, maybe that's what, the, what people are sort of, you know, connecting. What do you think? Yeah, I, 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 I think, I think you, you, you could be honest something. And, and, and for me, it, it's, it's funny, like when, because I have chose to focus on, on that figurative um, aspect, and, and, and mostly, if you look at it, you'll, you'll see that they are looking at you, and in a lot of cases, they're very solid in their, <laughs> in, in their and, and, and they're almost, in some cases, not always, they're devoid of any, uh, well, I'd say they would be more on, on the more, you know, um, even kill to, like, even maybe there's, they're, they're contemplating, you know, uh, you know, something yeah. uh, on that side because uh, I do like the aspect of their this figurative aspect in the in the work and the reason I like that is because there's you know I've been playing around with doing and I told you some non-objective paintings but there's there's a certain um, um, like you can say you know angst things of those nature in non-objectively you know uh, happiness you can say that but there's something about when you add a, a bit of that figurative, you know, more recognizable um, aspect, you know, and I'll say the figurative abstract aspect to it, where people contemplate it on just a different level, you know, because then they, I've, I've had like uh, people look at like paintings and they're trying to interpret, you know, well, this is what it means to me. Uh, 
and and there will be like especially if I have a multi-figure kind of thing happening, and and they they have these stories, <laughs> and um, I, I tell this often too. I came to the, the, the conclusion that this work is really not about what I'm trying to accomplish. It's really about what you get from the work. And, and, and the reason I say that is, you know, uh, what I'd rather, you know, a viewer come up to is experience the piece. And, yes, you know, I do have my agenda in, in my baggage, but I think it should be you, – you can't you, you can't completely, in my opinion, enjoy a painting unless you get something out of it. You know, so when you come to it and I have people say, this is about this to me, I was like, it's totally valid. You know, yeah. another person says this, it's totally valid because that's how you were perceiving it. And that's the way I want the flow to go. Not because I killed people's, I remember one time I killed this person's dream about one of my paintings. <laughs> um, and I've told this before on another podcast, you know, it's like, you know, I was up in a gallery and, 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 uh, and, and right after the show, I was, about to leave for it, I really came into the gallery to say goodbye to the uh, director. <laughs> and uh, when I was leaving, there this lady there looking at one of my paintings. I won't go through the whole entire boring story, but she was looking at one of my paintings, and you know, I thought this was back in that romantic uh, uh, days. You know, that this young lady had fallen to the ground, and you know, she couldn't be with her lover, and sort of that kind of thing. And this lady was looking at it, and she was crying, mascara running down her face. So she looks at me, and I, and I, had, I felt as though I had to go over and rescue my painting for some reason. And I said, hey, I'm Ron Hicks, and I'm the artist, and I couldn't help but notice that you're looking at this and you're having this reaction to it. Uh, she said, this is a stoning, a stoning. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, actual and I go, well, it's not a stoning. It's really about love and blah, 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 blah. I looked at this whole explanation, right? And then she looked at me and I was like, I don't care. She said, I don't care what you say. To me, this is a stoning. And then I looked at her and I, I, I remember saying, Julie, you know that, you know. And then that's really what changed my whole way of, you know, uh, presenting my artwork. You know, I can't be responsible for how you feel about the painting. Yeah. Because if that is what that means to you, then you need to experience that painting that way. Hmm. And I need to allow you to do that and not dictate how you should feel about it. So that's my hope, really, for, for, the, for the work. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, okay, Ken Cunningham says, um, I'd be very curious to hear about your process of going from more representational work, you used to do some more abstract nature of your current body of work. Was it a clear path or was it a struggle? And Victoria Herrera in New York says, uh, Victoria's a, another friend of the podcast, thanks for the tea, Victoria. And was it hard to go from more traditional style to the more abstract one? How long did that process take, and why did you want to paint more abstract? So you've covered most of that. The only bit, new bit there is how long did that process take? Um, it's an ongoing process, actually. And, and I would say it started with my uh, um, instructor back in, uh, in in college. So we'll say uh, 30 years <laughs> or so <laughs> ago. It's been, you know, when I first uh, started to to look at, um, you know, work for something other than it just being a, a way to copy something. So, yeah, and I think I talked about that a little bit earlier. As far as the, the struggle, it, um, I think to achieve anything, there's, there is a, a, a struggle. And I don't know, I don't look at it in a negative way because, you you, you, you know, no matter what you, you become proficient at, like you, you're like a musician, you know, uh, the very first weeks of, like, say you were playing guitar, you know, you're, you're 
fingers are probably going to be tore up because, you know, you're playing on these little tiny strings. You know, there's some physical uh, struggle just to get to the point where you build up enough calluses on your fingers so that you can actually start to fret some chords. And then from those chords, you know, you start to make music. And then if you continue to, you know, to, to understand, you know, music, then you, maybe you compose at some point. So to me, the, this struggle is is really just um, just a sharpening. It just makes it helps you become you know who you are. Everything that I've done thus far informs what I'm doing right now. So. I can I see it you know, from my side, and, and this may be a little bit different. Again, looking at it from the outside in, you know, most people say you know, God, there's this huge jump or something like that. But to me, it was just a slow, you know, over the past thirty or so years of, of moving in this direction. Yeah, yeah, it really highlights the impact that a good teacher can have because from what you're saying, it just sounds like it really sowed a seed in you that that has been you know growing and germinating, and you know now it's kind of blossoming uh, into the, the work that you're doing now. Uh, absolutely. Because I, I do have people that I went to school with, and, you know, some of them, you know, ended up going into, you know, various careers in advertising and things of that nature and uh, um, or doing, you know, um, just other areas. I mean, we have like these conversations, and I, you know, sometimes God, I wish I'm doing, I was doing what you're doing. And I was like, well, why don't you? You know, yeah. well, I got to do this. You know, it, it's it's the struggle is is not being able to allow yourself to do it. Or if you're you know caught in, in a situation where it's not feasible to do it, then that's another dynamic too. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but if you it, if you allow yourself to be open to it, then I think that you, 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 the world is your oyster, so, so to speak. And not saying it's all going to turn out like, you know, you know like uh, like perfect, because nothing does. You know? But it can be so satisfying. I mean, it, it, that, it's nothing else. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Skip Rodi again says, your paintings are heavily textured. It's almost as if the texture is a veil between the subject and the viewer, giving an abstract quality to shapes, colors, and brush strokes, while still having a recognizable subject who usually has a pair of eyes that grab your attention. Can you talk uh, about the relationship between those aspects of your works? Uh, I think what I did, uh, when I, when I, when I, uh, I think I, a little earlier I kind of addressed this a little bit. You know, for me, the, um, the the figure adds just a little bit of this extra edge to my uh, um, my my abstract painting uh, that I can't seem to find, and I'm saying it doesn't exist. I just haven't found it yet. That I don't have when it's completely non-objective. Uh, so so the figure. Um, it, it, you know, it, it adds, a, you know, just another aspect, an emotional aspect to uh, to the piece. Um, and and as I mentioned earlier, I'm not trying to paint the figure so that it becomes like you know this this masterpiece or, or you know by you know by by the standards of what you know you might see in like a you know from the atelier style or something like that, uh, side of things, but. But it's more of a, a placeholder for a shape, uh, but it has a more recognizable uh, appearance. So it serves that purpose. Purpose. It, it takes it, you know, just a step further than what I, so far as I've been experienced, can seem to uh, um, to add to my paintings. Uh, otherwise, yeah. But again, they're just a bunch of abstract shapes, and they are more rec recognizable. So they're technically, to me, uh, just abstract 
chase. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, okay. Uh, Jen Starling in Denver says, I absolutely love your work, Ron. I'm curious as to your decision-making process in regarding to abstract, abstracting form. Um, how do you decide when a form needs to read as realistic and when to let that go? Is it purely intuitive? Thanks. Um, again, it's uh, definitely intuitive. Uh, and it, as a matter of fact, that's kind of where it ends because I, I, I've been asked, so why did you do that? And for, I, I sometimes don't have an answer. It, it you know, uh, once you, I was talking about that intuitive uh, toolbox or tool bag that you have, you build over the years, once you have enough of that in your tank, then you sort of draw from those things and that sort of, uh, uh, um, helps you become, or helps your painting become whatever it, it is to to become. So sometimes I, you know, other than just just saying, hey, you know, that's my own my own uh, emotional intuition, intuitive way of uh, of processing work. It, it's it's hard to explain sometimes why why I do that. But I think it's because I'm, I'm starting to become and is very in tune as to what I'm supposed to be doing and in tune with, with myself. Um, and with that said, I still think that there's a, so much more, and I know that I'm I'm hiding. This is gonna sound crazy. I'm hiding some things from myself, <laughs> but I'm not hiding them. So it, it, there's there's much there's there's much more to do, and and, and high heights and deeper deeper depths. I'm just uh, preparing myself for it. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's a sense of that there's more there. There's, there's more more to be explored. Yeah. Yes. They're definitely. I, I feel like I'm. Um, I don't know if the word is psychologist or a psychiatrist for myself, but <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sitting here having these this, this dialogue that you know, oh, how do I? In some of it, I'm not even aware of how it is how to even process it at this point, but I know it's going to happen. Yeah. And when it does, I'll know it. It's right. Yeah. Um. Just going back to what um. Uh, Jen was asking about the uh, form and how how it reads. Um, like we were talking about the faces, you know, it's not like I don't think I've seen any. Maybe I just haven't seen them, but it's sort of where the nose just disappears, or you know, the eyes, or you've got three eyes. Or, you know, do you know what I mean? So that question of you know when a form needs to read is realistic and when to let it go. Uh, how do you go about that, or can you put words around that? It, that is is also an intuitive uh, uh, decision right. because too much to me, and, and this this is, doesn't just stem from you know it's even it's how you paint it, how you represent it, and where you put it. Uh, you know, it, there's all these factors that, that that come into play where it could be overbearing or or um, or, or not enough for for the piece. And I think as I continue to work with the piece, because because I'm not like I said earlier, you know, like working from one corner and then end up with you know, like done on the other on the other side on the at the at the end at the end, I you know I'm constantly during the course of that uh, the, the time that the figure is introduced, you know, figuring out the best way to present this and not to, and not to overdo it because I've seen some cases where people will introduce. You know, a figure it becomes too much. It becomes overwhelming, and it's too much for the, uh, uh, you know, for, for for the painting. Yeah. Um, or it becomes a foreign object, and 
and, and when it feels like it's a foreign object or it doesn't belong, then it stands out. And then that's not good as well. So, yeah. so there's this dialogue that, that, that I have. And so I can't pinpoint, like, the this is what I do to, to make it. It just, I, I work the piece. And it's, just, it's a slow build sometimes, you know. So you might see, like, at the very beginning, beginning maybe there's the essence of where that, that figurative form would be. And I'll continue to paint on, you know, do some of the abstract work. And then maybe the next session or two, you know, you might see more of an assemblage of where, you know, some more detail uh, that might be. Uh, pulled out. So that's the layering process. So it's not all, I don't sit down in like one session and go, okay, I'm painting the face today, that, 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 and we're done. It, 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 it's, 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 it's over time, and then it becomes what it is at the end. Yeah. Um, okay, Johnny, that's all we've got from Instagram, says, Hi, Ron Hicks, your, paint, your work slash paintings for me are a delight to view. Does the negative space and its form slash colors contain fragments of the figure or the figure's life. They seem to be connected in some way. Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, yes, I, I think that there's some echo, uh, uh, and, and this goes back to, and it actually might even you know, be helpful for the previous question, where um, the figure just doesn't end because there's more realism, I guess, or more detail in, in, in one shape. It does extend beyond. Um, and some of the forms are directly related to uh, to the figure. So you might see you, you the essence of uh, a gesture or, you know, while I'm painting some of the things that are in, in the background. So there's this transference from the figure onto, you know, say I, I put down a large mass of uh, thicker, you know, paint, you know, maybe the essence of the shape of that reminds me of something that's figurative. It might not be painted like verbatim or, or, or anatomically, you know, uh, uh, correct, but it sort of echoes the idea uh, of a figurative form. So yes, uh, to answer the question, there are pieces, the figure doesn't just stop at, uh, you know, where the, um, where the face ends. Okay. Um, Paul Levin in Sweden says, I think your art is fabulous. Any advice on how to loosen up in a way that doesn't also mean you lose, for want of a better word, sophistication? Um, yes, but, you know, and, and I've had that question, uh, you know, before, you know, I, you know, I've had, you know, people that would come take a class, so I want you to loosen me up. I'm like, well, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's 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 very difficult for it's just like you were saying a little bit earlier. You're like, I'm going to go in. I'm going to paint. I can't say I'm going to paint emotion today. I'm going to paint. You, know, you, you it's so it's, it's it's just as hard to go. Hey, you know, I'm going to loosen up. I think the only way to really start, and, and this goes back to you know, because uh, I was thinking about doing like a, a, a you know an online uh, workshop as well here. Um, I've been working on some dialogue for it. It'll, it'll echo some of the things that I'm going to do at the Scottsdale School. Uh, if you slowly think of the face as a face <laughs> or the figure as a figure, um, especially if you're trying to loosen up, then that's going to kind of hinder your the way that you see uh, uh, or how you see that you can utilize the, the, the figure. So it's impossible to, to, to me, to look at the face and go, you know, I need to make sure that everything is anatomically correct and, you know, I need to make sure that the lighting is here. 
all the little things that you would think that you would have if you were trying to paint like the perfect portrait per, uh, per se. Um, so if you're trying to loosen something up, like you, there's this uh, relative accuracy that you could have by loosening up without destroying, you know, the sophistication of the work. But in order to see that, you have to be able to see the figure as something other than it's a figure or it's a face. You know, really all of it is, all it is is a, a bunch of relationships and how you exploit those relationships becomes, you know, how you can express that without uh, losing that, that sophistication that, you, that, 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 that we're speaking of. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's gold. Um, okay, Ashen Ness. Jean Douglas, I hope I got the pronunciation of that right, um, Ashen, Ashen, uh, says, hello and good morning. Um, I want to thank you, John, for these beacons of light during these trying times. It helps those of us deemed as non-essential, in inverted commas, get through the day. Well, you're very welcome. Um, thank you. Mr. Hicks, I first came across your work on Instagram after Rebel first appeared in my feed. I was enthralled by your palette and the way the figure appears to come out of a fog with the defiant stare. I've been following your work ever since. As for my question, your paintings exhibit a looseness of brushstroke and a merging of subject and background that I've been trying to achieve for a number of years. If possible, can you explain how you accomplish this? Thank you. Yeah, that's a, a, an interesting question as well. Um, but it kind of uh, echoes of that in the last uh, uh, question sort of spill over into this one. It, um, I think that... It, if if we are if, if if we are recognizing uh, I'll say things as they are as they are things and and this started even before, you know when I was doing more representational work as well uh, if I looked at like a, 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 a table in a cafe and uh, I looked at the wall or I looked at the figures in the you know, if I if I started looking at them and started to name them as individual pieces. Then I started to paint them as individual pieces, and it was hard to, to to move them around or do anything with them because they had this identity. But as soon as I started to look at things for what they really are, uh, and, and, and really all it is is, is relationships of shape, value, edges, texture, color, line in some cases, that's really what it is. If I can break away from that, then I can introduce that you know, into a background or a foreground without any, you know, without doing any hurt, harm, or danger to the piece because I'm not looking at, I'm looking at the piece in a more abstract way. It goes back to uh, my earlier training uh, with the, uh, the instructor. Um, a lot of the things that he introduced, you know, when I first started, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and this was only for like maybe, uh, maybe a four-month, six-month period of time that, that I got to know this guy. He, he introduced these questions and into my, or, or the, he proposed these ideas, and then I kind of took some of these ideas and I started to, to you know, to, to explore them, uh, do some exploration, exploration with them. So to answer the question, uh, the integration of the background, there, it's all one unit. It's all one unit of harmony. And so it's it's kind of hard to say something about the foreground without saying something about the background. It's it, it, you know it, it's 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 almost a, it's 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 impossible. It goes back to my first statement. If you break up a canvas, as soon as you put one brushstroke on that canvas, you've broken it up into at least two shapes. Then there's this relationship that's going on right from that point on. It's like, well, what do we do with this? 
And if you just stop with that, if it's the, the most perfect brushstroke, then you're good. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> just teasing. Um, but, but, if it, but if it's not, and you start to add other elements, then as soon as you're adding other elements, and let's say it's more of a figurative thing, the negative space or, or positive, however you see it, um, has to, you have to take that into consideration while you're doing it, which is, for me, why I think my paintings, you know, may take a little bit longer because I'm, I'm, I'm constantly, constantly contemplating um, this idea. And not that it's, I'm not painting it in an intuitive way, but I've, I've intuitively, intuitively told myself, you know, I can't go any further until I figure this out, you know, so I can go for, you know, a period of time and then at some point, you know, my spirit, I will, I'll call it, says, hey, you know what, you need to stop and step back and, and take this in. And then you allow yourself to see everything that's in front of you and, and what you have. And sometimes, like I said, I'll take that painting and, 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 and start working on something else and come back to it. And then I have a clear idea of what I need to, to, to do with it. But it's all about harmony. If you're, if you're seeking for harmony, and, and I like variety as well, variety in your shape, variety in your relationships, variety in your value, then you're, you'll probably cover a lot of these bases. But if you're painting and just say you're doing a figure and you have no, you know, like, well, I'm just painting the figure and that's all I'm going to do. That's probably all you're going to get out of it is just going to get a painting of a, of a figure without any. Because even when you, if you place the figure on the canvas, that becomes, where you place the, the figure on the canvas becomes an important dynamic. Let's just say we're just, you know, placing a figure on the canvas. Um, and emotionally, you know, whether it fills the frame or it's in distance, that, that has its own, you know, um, it's 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 own dialogue as well. So all of these things come into factor when you're when when you're fleshing uh, one of these situations out. Yeah. So is it a kind of counterintuitive then? Just going back to what you're saying about you know the cafe scene, and if you're trying to paint a cafe scene with a table, a chair, two people, and four glasses of wine. That it's going to that, that thinking and naming of those objects is going to get in the way, and really, you, you you it's more a process of shape one, shape two, line one, line two, shape three. You know, approach it in that way. That that actually will get you, uh, will free you up. Is that what you're saying? To a certain extent, there, there's one other ingredient that you have to add uh, to that. So let's go back to the cafe scene. If you're looking at the cafe scene and you're you're dividing it up. I'm, I'm talking about, I would say at the very beginning, you can't look at it as a, as a cafe scene. You have to look at it as this, this, this series of harmonious dialogue that you are trying to uh, uh, figure out. Um, to me, back when I was doing more work like that, the most important thing was, why are you painting these people in the cafe? And if you don't get to the point to where you're saying, well, what is it about these people in the cafe, and you go for that, then all of this makes no sense. So eventually, <laughs> it ends up with that emotional idea of, so you can paint all these things, and you'll see it in some, in some work where, you know, it's like, gosh, you know, I, you know, the table's painted perfectly, you know, the, you know that cafe, coffee, coffee cup or whatever is painted nicely, the figures, but then there's no, there's no voice or there's no, there's no narrative, so to speak. And, and, and I'm not speaking of narrative in terms of, you know, uh, a story uh, that you're trying to tell, yeah. but the narrative, with the elements that you put in, 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 in you know, in, in, in your composition. So, in order to get to that point, you have to stop thinking of it as solely 
these items, these line items that you, you mentioned, and it's just these series of things, these harmo these these opportunities to to create this harmonious idea and what are you trying to say? Which gets back to understanding, you know, uh, you know how I, I keep mentioning this, you know, understanding who you are and how why are you painting this? Yeah. Because then it shines through and it becomes more of a truth than you just pretentiously painting this yeah, for, yeah. oh, I'm with these lovers, and, you know, and, and, and that's what I'm trying to get out of it. It's deeper than all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. I know. It, it, it's a lot, but, but, but to me, I think that's what a lot of paintings are missing. Is you might, and you might even see paintings that are painted like to the T. It's like, oh, gosh, this technique is so amazing, but you get nothing out of it. Yeah. And then you might see a painting that has three brush strokes, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm so charged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I had this image of, uh, like, a street with a cafe and a butcher, and, you know, maybe Van Gogh or Monet or one of those would be outside the cafe painting that, and Francis Bacon would be outside the butcher painting the butcher. You know, it's like each, you know, it's like who they are and what they're drawn to yeah. and why, you know. Yeah, brilliant. Exactly. Deeper, so... Um, um, and, and and that's why I say so. My my path didn't just start with this body of work. There's all of that dialogue and some of the things that you talked about. Uh, and I probably paint a bunch of too, um, <laughs> um, especially now. All of that dialogue is what informs you know what I'm doing now. So you 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 have to take the time to understand some of those things in order to be able to say something about them. Yeah. You know? And and people are at various stages. So we we. You know, um, what might take someone six months could take another person five years. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason to it. Yeah. And viewers are at different stages as well. You know, but, you know as people get more into art and painting, they, they, they change. They see different things. Um, okay. Sarah Connell in Manchester in the UK says, uh, I'd love to hear Ron expand on the idea of his paintings not being about a likeness but about an emotion. I paint cityscapes and feel that my paintings are becoming less about the specific place and more about emotion also. Does Ron feel that a painting no longer being about a specific person allows for easier engagement by viewers and as they can add their own interpretation uh, easier? Or has he found anyone to be disappointed that the pictures are not a specific person um, slash traditional portrait? Thank you, Ron, for sharing your beautiful artwork with the world. They are wonderful. Um, I think this question, it's funny how some of these questions are kind of answered with the previous. <laughs> um, that's that's the way I skillfully put them all together, Ron. You know, that's not happening by accident. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say this, that um, there, you could paint a city scene or you could paint something that's very emotional. What are you trying to say about that? And there's a number of ways that you can get to that. Um, uh, so I'll start with the portrait idea. I've never had anyone. As a matter of fact, I think it's been quite the opposite because I've, I've had people um, that got, Ron, I bought this portrait of yours because this person speaks to me. They wrote to this whole scenario. He, he said, and never before have I bought a portrait because I thought, well, God, I don't know these people. You know, that's not my family. Why would I want that on my wall? And he says, but for some reason, I want this for a specific reason. So if you're going after, you know, the emotive side of it, um, and, and however you, you, you get to that, that, that point, it's much better than to go, you know, this is my my cousin, and I thought I would paint uh, my cousin because I think he would make a great portrait. 
it doesn't speak to a lot of people, um, you know, unless they can make some sort of connection, you know, with that uh, particular painting. So I've never had anyone disappoint it because there was not a, well, who is this, what is this person doing, and why. They were, I think that, and this is based on the comments that I get, you know, this painting makes me feel this way. Um, I recognize blah, 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 blah. I had this lady come in to one of my shows one time, and she said, you know, I had a, a report. She said, God, this reminds me of, she looked at this whole story, this reminds me of, and she was you know, an, an older person, and she, she said, this reminds me of being back on my farm in the 30s or something like that, and blah, blah. She went through this whole elaborate story, and I was like, that just filled my heart because it wasn't about technique, yeah, and it wasn't about, you know, who is this person. It was really about this reminded me of this, yeah. uh, you know, this particular scene. So my hope is that, at least, especially with that work that I was doing back then, was that people would, you know, you know, draw that sort of um, um, kind of energy from the piece as opposed to, like, well, who's the model? And where did you learn your technique? And which is why I'm kind of hesitant to talk about technique because I think technique is, uh, this might be another one of those controversies. But <laughs> Get ready. Strap in, everyone. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> technique is irrelevant. If, if you put it in the wrong place, it, it, it does nothing for you except maybe you can paint uh, some pretty, you know, shapes, but then it means nothing if it's not applied in the, in, in the, in the right manner. So, yeah. um, uh, and I, what, I may have missed a part of her. Uh, no, 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 I think you got it. I think you got it. Yeah. 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 I think it's understandable, though, as well. Like, particularly when you're learning, you know, and you've got all this emotion inside, and you see all this beauty or whatever it is you want to express, and you just want to get it out, and it's not getting out. It's natural that you just go, there must be a technique. There must be some little trick that I'm not knowing. And if I knew that trick, then I'd be able to get it all out of me onto the canvas. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's... it's comes with, um, uh, I, I, I can't put a finger on what that time frame would be, but I think you, you, you have to have something in the tank in order to, to do that. So uh, a lot of the beginning, you know, classes of the introduction, uh, I think they're very important, you know, so that you have at least a, a base to start with. Uh, but not so much of a base to where you get to the point where you're, I, I'll say, jaded, where you're just like, no, Technique 101 says, I wrote it down right here, it says that I have to do this first. And if you get into that mode, then, you know, you can't hear anything else, yeah. you know, after that point. Then, then it's very difficult to, you know, to, to, to change course, courses. But you need to have some sort of some sort of something to compare things to and, and to bounce it off of. And, and quite honestly, you know, you it, that may come in the form of a school or a, a, an artist or someone that you, uh, um, you know, a mentor of some type, you know, that could be helpful. Yeah. Getting you this well, it's funny you should say that, Ron, because we're on to some educational questions now. <laughs> but before we do that, um, I, th- I just realized I hadn't asked you. You know when you're talking about when you begin and you make you know, your initial marks, have you put a ground down on your canvas or how have you prepared your canvas before you get to that stage? Okay, so um, if, 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 if it's the, the linen that's mounted on the board, so sometimes I'll, I'll use a... Um, uh, uh, oh gosh, what is that adhesive called? There's this adhesive. Um, I, I may have to get that information to you. It's like bed, something or other. Anyway, that's, it, it, I'll lay down some linen on, on the canvas, and then I'll make sure that it's, it, it is uh, 
archivally able to be removed if we if you had to just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so once the linen is down on the canvas, you know, then you know you go through the whole sizing thing, you know, where you know like some people have their methods, whether it's rabbit skin glue or what have you there, and then there's several layers of the oil primer. Uh, over the top of that. So once that is all cured and things of that nature, that's sort of the substrate that I that, that I, I, I start with. Okay. Um, and there's no there's no tint, no color at all in that at all. Uh, it depends because um, now with 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 like if if I've made the the ground, then it already has a kind of a, a, a natural like just just off white kind of like like to, to it and then I may do like a uh, maybe umber and uh, maybe a little ivory uh, black you know very thinly over the top and let that uh, um, um, cure or, or, or dry uh, sometimes I'll I'll just go for it. <laughs> so it really depends on how I'm feeling. Because sometimes I get eager and I'm like, oh, I gotta get this out of me, and then I just, I just start working, um, uh, which is the case like lately. Okay. Um, okay. Bailey Genevieve Hatcher in Utah says, "What books or learning materials do you su do you suggest for reading? Sorry, what books or learning materials do you suggest reading for artists looking to teach themselves? Also, what artists are you looking at lately?" So books for oh, yeah. oh man, I can't really recommend any books because I haven't really looked um, um, uh, in a long time. So I, I, I don't have my finger on the pulse with that. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of information that you can gain from uh, YouTube University, yeah. which can be overwhelming. Um, but there's a lot of good information out there, and there's some things that you you may not <laughs> want to follow, so you have to be very uh, uh, I would say keep yourself open because, you know, um, just because it's someone else's truth doesn't make it your truth. You know, take only the parts that you think will uh, are good for wherever you're at at this point and then, you know, toss the other ones out. Yes. Um, uh, so that's a difficult one. I, I'm, I haven't really, I can't speak of it because I don't know of any, uh, I haven't uh, looked lately. Yeah. Um, and the second part of that question was... Um, what artists are you looking at lately? You know, and that's another thing. I haven't really been doing a whole lot. You know, every now and then, you know, I'll get, like, some, uh, you know, literature via email about some upcoming show and things that take uh, that nature. I think uh, the last thing I remember that kind of caught my eyes is this guy, his name is, uh, uh, I think it's James Taylor, and uh, he's uh, an African-American artist, and he just does these raw kind of... Uh, um, paintings of just life uh, and what I like about it is uh, there's this rawness to it to where it's just complete honesty and just like him putting this down and here you go it, it, it's that kind of thing so so I think I, I've been feeling my uh, my life with those, those kind of things sort of excite me when I see those I'm, I'm I'm not saying that I, you know, I, I love technically highly skilled paintings, things of that nature. Um, I see a lot of them, um, and I see a lot of them, uh, and, 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 and some of them can be very, you know, similar in their attributes. So when something comes along, it's like, hey, wait a minute, let me let me take a peek at that. You know, so that those kind of things stand out for me. So, um, and I think at this point or this stage in my uh, career, I think it's it's because I'm sort of in the middle of this whole thing. I, I like seeing things that are just outside of what, uh, of what you, you would call normally accepted, you know, 
uh, and I can even say that because that that would be, you know, uh, for Mr. Taylor, you know, that might be, you know, not that uh, flattering, but I, I mean it in all sincerity. I'm, I'm, I really am digging it because it's, it, 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 it's pure and um, it seems like it's just honest. Yeah. And so, so that's what I'm looking for in work, and, and, and it's not to say that you know, um, highly rendered or very realistically painted things are, are not honest. Because they 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 have their their honesty to them. I'm just saying that you know that's something that came across that was just like, oh wait a minute, let me let me take a, a peek at this. So not necessarily into like anti art, but you know, just seeing different things and absorbing that you know what what's that for me? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Bren okay. I'm, not, I'm sorry, I'm not James Taylor. I'm thinking of the musician. It's Henry Taylor is his name. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yep, good. Well, James Taylor, I'm like, wait a minute. Henry Taylor. Yeah, I, I was thinking, oh, that's a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't look for James Taylor. Or you, yeah. Well, you might get some great music if you do that. His name is Henry Taylor. That's Henry Taylor, all right. Uh, okay, Bren OK in California. That's another Instagram name. That's all we got. Ron, could you tell us about your formative slash training period, how it's formed your uh, current work, and how you see how you see yourself having departed from it? Okay, so you've covered an awful lot of that already. So if there's anything else yeah. that is triggered by that question, fire away. If not, we'll move on to the next one. No, I pretty much had kind of a atelier-ish style of uh, approaching. And I think we mentioned that. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you go to, like, did you do the art school thing, like the four years and the, the BA and all that kind of thing, or was it more? Well, I started out, I started out, I had a, a full ride scholarship to the Columbus College of Art and Design, and they have a, a, a great, great program there. Um, and um, which, you know, which kind of differed a little bit. There was this, uh, you know, you had like your color classes, two-dimensional, you know, um, uh, design and things of that nature. Uh, uh, I left there after a couple of years, and I and I and, and here's the uh, <laughs> the voices inside your head. So I started talking to like some some people going, "Hey, you know, you're going to be a starving artist, and uh, you you need to do something, you know, so that you can get out of you know once you get out of school, you can actually have a job." Because at that time I was majoring in fine art, uh, and, and I had a minor in, in the illustration. And oddly enough, after I left, I, I um, eventually got into the illustration side of it for a hot second. Um, but I ended up uh, from back to Colorado, and I got a degree in advertising design. You know, so I I thought it was going to be like one of those. Yeah, you'll be an art director or something somewhere. Yeah, that didn't pan out. As a matter of fact, uh, back in those days, uh, and that's when they were doing a lot of paste and wax, uh, market up. It, you know, it was a lot tougher than it is now. Um, and I worked for a different, a couple of different publications, and I realized I was like, gosh, I'm not painting at all, and I don't like doing this at all, or even if I, even if it is a job. So um, I, I had to get away from that, and, um, and that's why I thought that the illustration was sort of. Uh, in between, and, and I had been showing my book around, and when I actually got hired by a, one of the companies, I ended up doing a number of illustrations for the magazine, because he was like, man, I saw this great illustration in your book, um, somehow there was this Tinkerbell in there spreading magic <laughs> <laughs> it was great, you know, um, 
Oh, as a note, if you don't, if you go out for a job and you have something in your portfolio that you don't want to do, don't put it in there. Because <laughs> you will get called to do it. Um, so I, I started doing a, a number of um, um, illustrations for this magazine, and I thought, gosh, well, I should just leave here and just do the whole freelance art thing. And that was a blessing and a disaster at the same time. The blessing is I got away from the <laughs> the the ad agency. The the downfall was the reality came in and it's like, gosh, you know, this is a freelance artwork. So some months were great and other months were not great, you know, so you're going through that whole process. Uh, but it, it allowed me to do more painting, and, and that was the thing that was free for me. Yeah. Uh, did I answer that question or did I go off on a tangent? I went off on a tangent, so you're all right. <laughs> um, okay, Rachel Jones says, with your current body of work, if you could, if you could have a group show with two other historical artists, whom would you choose, and where would you have it? Oh gosh, I wouldn't even begin to. I couldn't even begin to. That would be. <laughs> that might be an insult. I'd say Clint, so we could see the difference. <laughs> just teasing. <laughs> well, I was going to say, don't have Clint. <laughs> you can have anyone, just don't have Clint. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I really don't have an answer for that because I, I, um, I, um, I, I. I, I, I would say that you know all the people that I idolized, I guess coming up, I would I would love to be in, in you know I could I would love to be on any wall with any of those guys just to be in the conversation. That would be like great for me, but uh, uh, I think it might be an insult to them because uh, you know I, I hold them in such uh, high esteem. So I don't really have anyone that I could just off the bat say you know I would love to uh, um, uh, have a show with them. But I would say that any number of the ones that I mentioned, I would just love to be in the studio or have, you know, if, if we could go back in time and, you know, just to be a part of one of their, uh, their shows, it would be just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Okay. And do you have a, if you were going to have, do you have a place that you would like to have that show? A place that I'd have that? Well, you know. But you ask where, you know. It would have to be somewhere abroad, you know, just because I'm, uh, well, it's, not mainly me. It's uh, my wife loves France so much. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it has to be somewhere in France. Okay, yeah, that's, that's where it would be. <laughs> Very good. I know that's so. <laughs> uh, Okay, William Blake in Chicago again says, "Is there anything you'd wish gallery owners, curators, collectors, fans knew more about? Is there anything you feel they they might miss in your work?" Um, I don't think that they miss anything. I, I, you know, I, I look at like all of those entities, especially the, from the, the gallery side, is, is they, you know they have um, um, collectors and they have uh, you know you know you know an agenda. They have to feel they have to satisfy the um, their collectors and the artists, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of like simultaneously. So they you know, they actually have a, 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 a tough job. Uh, so I would say. If we really wanted more true and honest work, if you, if I would, you know, and, and not all galleries are like this, but you know, I, I've, I've seen a few uh, along the way. That I would just say, you know, just allow your your artists to be, you know, as free and open, and 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 and, and allow them to develop. Uh, I think I think that would be the only thing that I would. Uh, I think one of the the, the great things like um, 
that happened, you know, for me is, uh, especially with this body of work, is that the gallery here in Colorado, uh, Gallery 1261, when it was first formed, uh, its whole premise was designed around this idea of if you didn't have to, you know, send your artwork to a specific gallery and you just wanted to do and paint whatever you wanted to do, that's the kind of work we wanted. So they started out like that. And um, I tell you, that was like my... I, I gave them just some things, you know, which kind of led me to where I'm at right now because there was, there, you know, I'm not saying that there's pressure, but, you know, in some situations you could, you, you could say that just like, gosh, you know, they might say something to the effect of, man, um, I could sell 10,000 of those if you had more of those. So they're not exactly saying it, but they're saying, you know, those are very marketable. And, um, I, it's not to say that you can't be marketable and, 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 and be true, but sometimes it gets in the way. If you start looking at it from a monetary aspect, you know, you know all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, if I paint, oh, I'll just use, uh, if I paint my cell phone <laughs> and I did it like a thousand times, you know, this thing is marketable, you know, you might be able to make a lot of money doing that, but it, it's not, you know, fulfilling to your soul. So, um to answer your question, I, I don't have much to say other than, you know, it, it, I would just wonder how it would be if if, if, if there was this you know, just unchained uh, freedom that you could just, you know, just express in however you felt like expressing it, and then that was what you ended up with out on the market, uh, what that would look like, as opposed to, you know, having a certain clientele that you, 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 you know that you need to... Um, um, uh, be in tune with, but that's the way of the world. Yeah, and I don't think I don't know if that actually answers the question. And I may have gone off on a tangent on that. Uh, yeah, you did a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, just what if I understand his question right? He was sort of saying, "Is there, you know, anything in your paintings that no one's ever noticed, and you wish people would notice more? You know, that they they might be missing about your work." Okay, so we'll have to scratch that last. No, question. no, that was all great, but just. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that uh, honestly, from for me, um, the way that I see my work and the way I hope that it is seen is uh, if you can take a look at the work and you can gain something from it, you know, by taking in what's out there, then that's all that I expect from. Uh, a, a, a gallery to to present to whomever it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, in, in other words, I just want you know the the information presented and none of the uh, you know just present it and, and, and allow it to be whatever it is to be. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Oscar Lopez in San Francisco uh, says your artistic voice is reflected in your current work more than before. Are your new paintings political? Giving a bigger voice to African Americans. Um, I don't know if I would call them political, but I think that uh, you know, as I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, I, I have seen things from you know a different perspective than than a lot of people have, have seen them, and some of them have been you know things that I've, I've chosen not to really say a whole whole bunch about. Uh, I, I will say this with. You know, with what I have experienced, um, you know, and I don't know if this is political or not. You know, I, I do feel that there is, a, you know, a need for me to, you know, to deal with how that has affected me, 
And if it becomes something that is more you know, political, then you know, I, I say so be it. But it's not because I'm trying to, you know, you know, to present any dialogue in a political way, but just because I think that um, it's, it's food for my own soul. I think that, you know, I should be able to, you know, we as artists, I should say, we should be able to express, um, you know, what we're going through, how we feel, uh, you know, in a way that, you know, that, that, that's healthy for ourselves and, and, and whoever, you know, receives the, uh, the artwork. And to me, by health means that, you know, whatever you put out, that's you, you know, and, uh, and not being afraid to, you know, make those statements and things of that nature. And not that I'm going to go out and do anything crazy again. It, 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 I just feel as though um, uh, that my story is something that someone could, that connect, could connect with, and they might draw something from that. Um, and then if, if it's out there, then it's out there, and they can, you, you can take that. You can take that for whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Um, if there was one main kind of underlying theme to all your work, what do you think it would be? A theme. Um, I don't know if I have a you know one thing, but uh, I. I think I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier uh, in the last two segments, I think, or, or one at least. Um, I really, um, my theme would be for open interpretation by whatever that person, uh, you know, sees in the work. And, uh, and by that, what I mean is I don't want to direct anyone in any way or change the way that they perceive my artwork by something that I've either done or, or, or said or, 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 or alluded to. I want them to have their own personal experience with the work is what I'm getting at. Right. But when you look, when you stand back from your work and look at us all, is, does anything stand out to you? Any kind of thematic uh, threads? If, if you look at the earlier work, I'd say, yeah, there was, you know, this, you know, uh, there was that era of, of uh, I had a couple of eras of this, 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 this where I was romanticizing life, and there was this era where I was really into, you know, expressing what I was studying and going through. But now, if I look at the body of work, I really am trying, I'm, I'm really trying to be open and honest with the, with, with the work, and that's really what I'm trying to express. Yeah. So, if that's the, the theme, you know, um, just open, abstract dialogue with a representational tendency would be what I'm trying to express. Very good. Um, Igor Kristic in Serbia says, I am mostly interested to hear about setting price and working with galleries, and if there's any more details about living from art. I think it means making a living from art. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first part was the galleries. Setting price. What was the galleries, yeah. Setting price. So what I've, I've, I've discovered is, is this, and especially dealing with a lot of, of, of galleries, uh, and, and it, it's kind of hard for me to speak on this because I've actually never had to, to look for a gallery. Um, it's, I've always been in the circumstances where they, they came. <laughs> um, I, I know it sounds strange, but yeah, I, it, that's really how it how, how it's happened, uh, and that's another long story that probably would be boring. But um, working with galleries, I know that what 
really your work is only worth what the market will bear for it. And it, it, it's, it's proven some, you, know, you have some people that whose paintings probably go for next to nothing, and then you have someone that can sell uh, paintings for millions of dollars, you know. So it's, it's really what the, what, what the market will bear. So um, it really depends on the situation you're in. Uh, so if you're at the beginning of your career, I, 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 I recall um, a number of artists that I knew, especially with, you, you know, get with situations or, or or they would kind of compare themselves to, you know, experience-wise, technique, things of that nature to some, maybe something they saw in other galleries and maybe start that off as a, a guide for about where they should they should start. And you'll know if it works because if you you get zero sales and people go, oh, gosh, this is too much, then then you won't sell anything. And if you, all of a sudden, you can't keep up and it's like, gosh, I have, I'm back ordered for years. Then maybe you're a little low. Uh, so, uh, if you are with a gallery, because you mentioned, you know, get, you know, get with a gallery, they usually have their finger on the pulse and they can kind of, you know, guide you through it. But you, you have to be careful not to be taken advantage of in, in, in those, in those kind of situations. Um, uh, as far as finding a gallery, uh, um, I, I've had some advice from uh, some of the, the gallery owners. I, I do know that there's, there's certain ways that you are uh, expected to present artwork and each gallery has a different way of doing that. So if you come off the street and you have your entire book and you go, hey, look at this, sometimes that could be offensive to some galleries and some, some galleries may like that, but you have to understand that gallery before you, you know, go in and try to present yourself in, a, in that manner. I've heard many a times, it's like, gosh, this person came in here, you know, and we're not accepting submissions and then they wanted to lay out all these things and, you know, it, it I, I've I've heard you know some of them say you know, that's not the way to do it. Um, yeah. uh, so uh, so so getting into a gallery, I, I think really it boils down to a, a couple things. That gallery has to look at it and see some sort of way that that uh, that you, that your work would be beneficial to some of their clientele. Um, and, and there's no, I hate to say it like that, but you know they have to see that there's something marketable you know, in your work in order for them to really go, hey, I want to take a chance on this person. Because I don't think that they would just go, yeah, he's really not my cup of tea, but I think we're going to go with it. I just don't see it happening like that. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess it's kind of sad to say it like that, but that's the, just the, 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 the 